Hello and welcome back. This is Voices of Chandler, the podcast. I'm your host, Melina Suniga, and in today's episode, we're sprinkling some more public art stories and some downtown redevelopment stories that beautify the city we know and love. Now, I started working with the city in 2018, and at that time, there wasn't anything. And I mean anything west of City Hall, just across Arizona Avenue. It was a dirt lot, and if you would come through downtown Chandler, you might remember seeing it being empty. There also was an Achiba Hut downtown, and I am so glad those days are over because Chiba Hut is life. And this is not a paid or sponsored promotion. I just really love their Cali Miss subs. But if you've been to downtown Chandler within the last year, you will have noticed the redevelopment and growth we've experienced. Thankfully, our own downtown redevelopment specialist, John Owens, is here to introduce his segment. Hi, everybody. This is John Owens, the downtown redevelopment specialist for the city of Chandler. You know, a lot has changed in downtown Chandler over the past several years. We have exciting new restaurants, great new retail stores, and inspired new office. But among all the changes, perhaps the most noticeable is New Square, the development right across from City Hall. There's a lot to unpack there. So this week, I spoke to Spike Lawrence, the developer behind New Square, and I'm excited that you'll be able to join us for it. So stay tuned as we go into the downtown sound. Spike, thanks for coming on. Uh, I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and why Chandler. John, thanks for having me. I am an Arizona native, raised in Tempe, kindergarten through college, graduated Arizona State in 1993, and started a real estate development company with a buddy of mine I grew up with from junior high on, and Jeff Geyser. And he and I started buying older retail properties, predominantly in the Valley, and we'd remodel, refurbish, and and sell off the, the real estate. And then in the late 90s, I uh, discovered South Chandler at Ocotillo, and we developed the falls at Ocotillo at Alma School in Queen Creek, which was kind of down in that area, the first specialty retail center built with a lot of quality restaurants. The neighbors loved it. We then uh, went and developed, brought Holiday Inn to South Chandler, to Ocotillo, and developed more restaurants, brought Divine to Chandler, and then went and proceeded to develop downtown Ocotillo, in Ocotillo as well, on Queen Creek and Dobson, which is was a mixed-use master plan community, which included single-family housing, multifamily housing, condominiums, hotel, restaurants, and office. It's where I office today and, and actually live. So um, I'm Chandler, and now I moved my family from Tempe to Chandler in 2006. My girls were uh, uh, blessed to uh, have gone to Chandler Traditional Academy and Arizona College Prep and ultimately graduated from Corona del Sol High School. All the while, and apologize for the background, but I, uh, I, I had never ventured into downtown Chandler and watched the city go all in on supporting its, its urban core, which is fantastic. And the city effort and the private developer uh, developers and uh, private business owners' efforts in downtown Chandler was duly noted. And I, I sat back and spectated for a while and, and just saw and marveled at the energy that was being created in downtown Chandler. 
and it's still going. It's it's still growing. It, and so I threw my hat in the ring for an RFP for Site 6 right across from City Hall, right in the heart of downtown, right next to the historic mm-hmm. square, and fortunately won that RFP for a mixed-use development, which is now today New Square. I asked Rick Huffman of HCW, and uh, I had promised a hotel to the city, so he brought the Hilton relationship. We built a 110-room mm-hmm. Hilton Garden Inn, a 50,000-foot office building that's steel and glass, and another 10,000-square-foot restaurant building with a square in the middle. And we had the <laughs> had the fortune of opening or being ready to open during COVID. I'm excited that I I took the risk to come to downtown Chandler and after years of, of watching it from the sidelines and now I'm I'm a, a proud participant and I'm a part of the family of downtown Chandler. New Square is a, a beautiful development. I'm wondering if this would be a great opportunity for you to tell us a little bit more when you when you said you saw both the private sector and the public sector coming together to try to continue the redevelopment of downtown Chandler. I'm wondering if there's something about downtown Chandler that stood out to you that really made you want to jump in feet first like you did. Well, people, I, and I, I owned some real estate in downtown Tempe, an office in downtown Tempe, and people love downtowns. There, there's a There's an energy to a downtown I'm a history major and just love the history of downtown Chandler. What A.J. Chandler, the risks, talk about taking risks, the risks that Dr. A.J. Chandler took, you know, the creation of the, the second, the building of this only second, I think it was the first or second golf course in the state with grass, but a resort golf destination in the middle of nowhere, if you will, just amongst farms. And uh, the history is rich. It's well over 100 years. And so that's that's an attraction. The downtown, one, the downtown of where I live is important to me. And two, um, the history of our downtown and the need to uh, to spend money on downtown and to invest in downtown and, and make it special. There's other cities in, the, in our metropolitan area that have not done that. They were really late to the game. And I won't pick on anyone in this podcast, but I think we know who they are and, and they just, you know, they just lost their urban core and a city is not a city without its urban core. And the city of Chandler has done a splendid job in, in its leadership where, you know, fiscally we're as responsible and, and uh, solid as arguably top 30, probably in the country bond rated cities. All the while we're taking risks, build beautiful city hall, beautiful city hall right in the middle of downtown and continue to beautify the streets and keep our streets safe. And uh, it's it's an ongoing battle. Really, I mean, that my attraction is that, one, it's my hometown, and, and, it, and downtowns are very important. And, and two, it's because it's a community effort. If for some reason you've never been nor seen New Square, it is a melting pot for food, entertainment, and straight-up leisure. When Spike talks about downtown energies, I'm sure everyone can relate to the type of vibe he's talking about. Remember Peter's Chandler's Got Art segment with muralist Lauren Lee? And in downtowns, you know, I love downtown energies. I just It's like one of my favorite things. Being out here, it was really interesting because I don't know if people know how active downtown Chandler is. I mean, it's really active. So that's kind of a universal feeling, right? 
Downtown energies are unmatched and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, but John goes on to ask Spike what he was excited about in New Square and Spike's answer, the stillery. It's great. Live music seven days a week owned by a dear friend of mine and a partner of mine and some other restaurants, the living room and chop steakhouse, Steve Kovac and Elaine Kovac. When New Square was built, we had opened D.C. Steakhouse. Dino and Lori LaPlante had been in downtown Chandler for a decade previous and then moved into New Square at a chance to grow and were the first of our restaurant tenants. And so Steve and I met there at D.C. Steakhouse and he said, I need to be here. I need to bring my stillery concept. Steve's a Chandler resident. He, it was a really easy transaction, as was Dean and Lori LaPlante with DC Steakhouse. They both were very familiar with Chandler, very familiar with downtown, and uh, they're, they're both Chandler residents, which is so neat. So, the Stillery is a country restaurant and bar, but Spike mentions that the owners are working on bringing in live music acts in genres that range from blues to classic rock all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, baby. But <laughs> this isn't the only restaurant in New Square that these two discuss. For all my ramen lovers, New Square also has a place for you, and that's Virginia Ramen Bar. I'd love if you could tell me a little bit about that because this is their first Arizona location, if I'm not mistaken. That That is correct. They are big in L.A., Chicago, New York, just wonderful visionary restaurateur. Uh, gave Darity Olson the first the franchise rights to the state of Arizona. And fortunately, the first one is in New Square. And they, I was blown away when a month ago, I tried to get in at 7.30, it was 7.30, 7.45 on a Tuesday in the summer. And there was an hour wait. It's a great ramen noodle place. I had no idea that there was that kind of variety of ramen. I, When I thought of ramen, I thought of what I used to eat in college that crunchy stuff you'd buy in the orange plastic. One thing that I always get a smile from is the name New Square itself. Because, you know, we've got the historic square just to the north of you. And I know that there was some thinking there about the historic square when New Square's naming came around. I, I, I would love if you could give us the thinking behind that, because I think there's a lot of thoughtfulness there. Yeah, 100%. That's why it, it's Right next to the old square, historic square, is, is the new square. And we are a square. We purchased a four-acre square piece of land from from you and the city. And uh, to me, it was easily named. If you didn't know, New Square is just south of Chandler's historic square, which was the original town square where Dr. A.J. Chandler Park is at the heart of it all. Surrounded by shops, restaurants, and a downtown staple, the Crown Plaza San Marcos Resort. And although their conversation was mainly about the first phase of New Square, they teased that phase two is underway with a multi-story mixed-use building that Spike plans on owning for generations to come. I want to grab an oar in the boat and and help (laughs) row, and and I want to be involved. I I don't want to be the guy carping from the sidelines. You know, I don't want to be a Monday morning quarterback. I want to help in every way I can and be, it's, I grew up in the shadows, really, South Tempe, Warner and Rural Road. Most of my development has been within a five-mile radius of where I went to kindergarten. And so this stuff really matters to me. And so, again, the buy-in from everybody is vitally important to me. And um, I don't ever want to lose confidence in, in the future of our 
great city of Chandler. And I'll continue to get involved, more involved. And I love downtown Chandler. And again, New Square's largest investment I've made personally. And uh, I'm going to continue to make investments in downtown Chandler. And um, I want to do everything I can to help those that need help, that want help. Um, I will be there to help. And I'll contribute financially and with my time, 100%. Well, Spike, really appreciate your time uh, and your commitment and your continued commitment to downtown Chandler. Uh, New Square is an absolutely gorgeous development with really delicious, exciting restaurants, uh, DC Steakhouse, Distillery, Ginia Ramen, uh, and more to come. Uh, so for, for all the Chandler residents out there, uh, keep an eye and an ear out for what's happening in New Square, uh, concerts, and as the weather gets nicer, maybe yoga in there as well. There's lots going on, and if you need a place to stay, the Hilton Garden Inn is great for those staycations as well. Uh, Spike, we want to thank you so much for coming on uh, and joining us. Thank you very much, John, for the time. Appreciate that. A sight for my sore eyes. Now, when I gaze upon the sunset, I see New Square. (laughs) All jokes aside, downtown Chandler has seen exponential growth within the last 40 years. But I know the one thing that comes to mind when I think about city developments and visiting those new shops and restaurants is parking. Now, I know some Chandler residents might know that the Oregon Street Parking Garage opened in 2019. And if you've come to New Square or even our historic square, you might have even parked in one of its 932 spaces, to be exact. But I'm not here to sound like a PR person. I'm here to talk about the public art that's attached to the building that you and me might have overlooked. What you see on the east side of the parking garage are shade canopies. Artists from Collapse Studio designed these vibrant pieces inspired by Chandler's youthful energy. I bet that's the first time you've heard that. But it's the truth and it makes sense, right? We're talking about New Square, and there's a lot of new and exciting businesses coming to downtown Chandler, but let's hear a little bit more about the artist and her inspiration behind this public artwork in this week's segment of Chandler's Got Art. This is Peter Bug, Visual Arts Coordinator for the City, and I'm here today with Maria Salinger of Colab Studio for Chandler's Got Art. Thank you for being with us here today. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So the main thing that I want to talk about with you today is your piece in the public art collection, and that's called Sunslides, and it is a shade canopy, and it's on the Oregon Street parking garage, and it was completed in 2019. I know you primarily as a public artist and architect. Both of those creative pursuits require, you know, quite a bit of teamwork and logistics, and they're not something that you sort of just sit in your studio and do all by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But can you tell us sort of like, how you got to be a public artist and architect. I, I grew up in Arizona and I always enjoyed drawing. And then that kind of led to me thinking about when I was a kid, like what, what kind of fields I would want to get into. And I think having, uh, my dad was an engineer and my mom was a social worker and just kind of, I think I had a real desire to have like a, steady job, which is not something that artists uh, normally would be thinking about um, or... 
the career um, path of an artist is often not as straightforward as some other career paths. Right. And I think so. So so that that kind of led me into like thinking about architecture and um, because it is so um, design intensive and so creative. And then at the same time, the I think the problem solving part of it is was also really in, intriguing to me. So in college, I studied architecture and then I studied art and at two very different programs that were kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of problem solving versus creativity. And, you know, when I look at your projects and when I've seen your presentations, they always really start with these humongous ideas that are just sort of like that, you know, dreaming big, shooting for the stars, that sort of thing. Not that they need to get scaled down, but they need to go back to that sort of like analytical problem solving side of things. So can you tell us about the original inspiration for Sunslides and then a little bit about the process of like how it got to the final project that we see today? In the initial request from the city was to make an art piece, a shade canopy, that can speak to the uniqueness of Chandler as a place. And what I knew about Chandler at the time was that it's a great place for kids and that the programs that are offered and the places, the, the parks, the water parks, the swimming pools, the libraries, like to me, that's it's really unique to really have that high on a city's agenda. And so making something that would relate to kids was really important. And so just that aspect of it, thinking of the parking garage is this you know, six, I think it's six stories and it has these ramps and what, it's just a bit, the potential for it being such a fun structure and thinking about what if it was like a park, a vertical park, or what if we could mount slides to the side of it and kids could kind of run up or take the elevator up and slide down and kind of just really occupy it in that kind of way and thinking about this piece of like infrastructure, but it has this potential to impact the quality of life for for kids in the city. And so that, and we did joke about that with the, um, the view and the, the contractor. And we talked about, you know, what would happen if, could we just do that? Could and, we just make we a were, slide? Yeah, we were interested in that idea. But it just... <laughs> and so, but, but I think part of the, I think part, one thing that Matt and I have learned more and more about art is that it's this pursuit to make something that is kind of unattainable. And so we don't, when somebody says, well, I'm sorry, you can't mount a slide to the side of that garage and have kids sliding down, it doesn't phase me in terms of what the project can be. Like Maria mentioned, going from creative to problem solving creates a momentum for her and her thought process. I bet when you heard me say that these vibrant pieces were inspired by Chandler's youthful energy, you weren't thinking about sliding down the side of the parking garage like she was. Like any good artist, she's really good at thinking outside of the box and connecting people to the natural world, particularly where we see the urban environment growing more and more dense, particularly that happening, you know, in the valley where I grew up here in the 70s and the city has grown, you know, exponentially since that time. It's now like a 50 mile diameter, I think, um, kind of across the city and it grew so fast. A lot of its influences were 
economic. And I think it's taken, it because it's happened so fast, I think now the art aspect of Phoenix is kind of catching up to all the growth that we've had up to this point. The idea is connecting art to the city's urban growth and playing with those shadows and playing with those sun angles that range in the winter, fall, summer, and spring seasons to connecting us and, in Maria's words, the natural world. Peter and Maria go on and talk about the experience of building and installation of the public art piece, and Maria mentions a couple of other projects you might spot around the valley that range from bus shelters to street furniture and some other upcoming projects as well, but she talked a little bit about her favorite part of being a public artwork artist. Can you guess what she said? It's definitely the opportunity to to give people unique experiences in their daily life that you can impact somebody by making something that's colorful or delightful or comfortable. I think to me that's really fulfilling and um, kind of being there out in the public realm and, and working in that way. Oh, and one last thing. I just want um, people to know how appreciative I am as an artist to get to work in the public realm and that having um, these opportunities that come out through the city and the municipal projects are really important. Like I said, that, that to, to get to have something that's both functional and creative on the street where people can interact with it every day is um, to me a really valuable art form. And as an artist getting to make that kind of work, I'm, I'm really appreciative of those opportunities. All right, well, we appreciate what you do for the city and the valley. Thank you. I was, and I'm sure you'll be, pleasantly surprised to know that Collab Studios is a joint effort between Maria and her husband, Matthew. So Matthew is no stranger to large public art installations, and Peter got the chance to talk to him as well about a large installation he completed in 2020. This is Peter Bug, and I'm sitting with Matthew Salinger of Colab Studio for Chandler's Got Art. Thanks for taking some time to talk to us today, Matthew. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be here. So I'm talking to you today specifically because of your piece, Our Nature, which is at the Public Safety Training Center. It was completed in 2020, and it's a shade canopy. Can you briefly describe the project and the inspiration behind it for the people who haven't seen it or don't know about it? I believe the impetus for the project was from the police and fire um, officials and, and people that work in the building to have a, an improvement over a particular space that they saw as a gathering space um, that is lacking uh, some kind of covering and, and um, wanting something that would make it a very special place that would actually bring people together um, where they could be more comfortable than the way that the space um, was originally designed. When we looked at it, there were a couple of issues um, that we saw or challenges with the site and with the budget. Um, and we knew that if we put um, some kind of shading over it, that we didn't want any structure impeding the, um, the passageway. And so um, there were some interesting ways that we chose to look at it, but the, the, what we had going for us was a giant precast concrete wall um, on one side, one of the long sides of the space. 
that we knew that we would be able to attach to and hang something off. And so that was kind of the starting point for the art project and thinking about it first um, enabling some shade, but then trying to think through what the art piece would actually be. If you've been paying attention, you might have caught on that Maria is really passionate about nature and that a lot of her public art is inspired by the outdoors. Matthew is no different. When approaching this project, he said he really wanted to add a human and natural element to it to soften the space. The call to artists required three individual pieces that would provide shade for that space. And having worked together with Maria on the sun slides, Matthew was well aware of the sun solstice and what was possible, given the parameters of the project. The big question was what to put as a pattern within it. Um, All of our shade canopies have some kind of pattern work that is usually based on the community in which we're serving. And we wanted this to be um, similar, but not having had a chance to that point when we did the interview to talk to the police and the fire personnel, we um, sort of took a loose shot at it and showed some ideas and some inspiration that we had. And an idea that when we looked at police and fire badges themselves, there's often historically a bunch of biophilic kind of natural forms on those badges. Biophilia just means love of nature. And um, biophilic means, you know, of, of nature or derived from nature. For the last four years, I've been studying biophilic design, which is uh, a study of, of looking at why humans react to um, design elements or spaces in particular ways, which has to do with kind of our evolutionary history but it always also has to do with a sense of place as well. And I'm always happy to mention that I've been mentored very well by Sonia Bocart, who's a wonderful designer and thinker and, and friend. And what we were looking at in the, ba- in the badges were um, plant forms and animal forms. You know, sometimes you'll see an eagle, for instance, on a badge. Sometimes you'll see a garland of uh, leaves. And so we were interested in why nature had been incorporated in the, in the badges historically. And um, we brought that to um, the police and fire personnel and the city staff. And um, everybody thought it was interesting. And, and so we did some kind of deep digging into asking some questions about, you know, what they feel is at the very essence of what their jobs are and what they do. And we tried to use that um, as inspiration in to, uh, to create the patterns. They talked a lot about a sense of duty. Both, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. The police, the fire, and the city personnel all talked about a sense of duty that was a selflessness of a lack of ego about what they're doing, about going in and, and really trying to make the best city possible, which is exactly what I want to do. And I, I know that's what you want to do, too. And so it was a really nice alignment. And um, what's really cool about being able to work with parametric designing is that you can create really complicated forms where I think we have close to a thousand cutouts or 2000 cutouts in the um, piece and every single one of them is What different. they got in the end was a natural looking pattern of the badges that emulates a leaf falling off a tree with Matthew's artistic direction to add branches to that. Overall, he created a metal tree canopy that comes off of the concrete to provide shade. But one of their main goals? One of the main things that we really wanted to have people feel around it is a sense of calm. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I've learned from studying biophilic design is um, that you can actually help lower somebody's blood pressure and their, their heart rate 
by um, certain kinds of imagery and whatnot, and definitely providing focus on landscaping is one of those um, one of those items. I think for us, the idea that the piece itself does not evoke a feeling of authority um, right away, and that it's not really evocative of what police and fire do or the city staff do on a day-to-day basis. It's something that was meant to pull away from that um, to some degree and to create a place that is much more meant for relaxing. I was there for it, but um, can you talk about any nerve-wracking or otherwise notable parts of the installation? Because I think, you know, this isn't a mural. This, people would, would be interested to know how it got onto the wall there. We've been collaborating for many years now with a f- uh, metal fabricator that just does great work. And so um, what's wonderful about them is that um, not only did they figure out how to build an actually really complicated piece to put together, but they figured out how it should be lifted by a crane because the shape is really unusual and really difficult to mount it to a wall because oh, I think each of them was about 3,500 or 4,000 pounds. Um, but the way that it curves away from the wall is what's difficult. Where do you put a crane pick point to pick up the piece and, and put it on the wall? So they actually thought all of that through and they talked to an, um, an installer they work with from time to time to kind of think that through. And they had um, a built-in pick point in the center of the spine, as we called it, that goes um, along the main support of the curve. And we were not responsible for installation. There was a, a general contractor who was finishing up the building that was there and responsible for it. They hired a, a installation crew who did a great job in the end, but um, they also had to hire their own crane operator. And, and that's where it got really interesting because their crane operator didn't want to listen to one of the fabricators was there and telling them, we designed it this way, you should pick it up this way. And they said, no, we've got a better idea. And so they, they picked it up. Not only did it start to tilt, but it started to get kind of spooky. And the fabricator was telling me, hey, hey, get away from there, get away from there. And, and so he explained to me that they had roped it in such a way that at any moment, the whole thing could actually twist and fall off of the pick point and swing the whole thing around in the air and potentially hurt or kill somebody. So what happened? Long story short, the crane operator came to the realization that maybe they should have listened to the fabricator and they had to re-rig it, get it off the crane, put it back. But luckily, the rest of the installation was a breeze. You know that feeling when you get when you finally finish a task or a project and you look at your work and it's just the most rewarding feeling to know that this is yours? That is a great feeling. And Matthew's favorite part of being a public art artist there's, there's a couple of different aspects. I think initially there was this desire as an artist when um, Maria and I, Maria is my wife and partner, when we were young and we just wanted to create cool things or, you know, and it wasn't that simple. We, we always were thinking about communities and whatnot, but it was a, a way to kind of speak to people and to, to really try to make a difference in the urban sphere or, or a particular place or somebody's life. And I think over time, I've, I've just really enjoyed the people that I've gotten to work with um, and I continue to work with and the processes that we go through to make art. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot that we've uh, gotten out of it and a lot that the people that we've worked with that have gotten out of the process. And every once in a while, you have a project you know, that really teaches you that, that you're, you're, you are affecting people in a positive way. We did work on a project that was 
sort of a light memorial to somebody. And we, we, we went through this whole um, rigmarole of researching something as a way to create a memorial to somebody, but not directly. And when we presented it to the selection panel and the, and the committee that was uh, overseeing the art, the community members that knew this woman cried at the presentation. That was so powerful. That was about 10 years ago, I think, or so. And, you know, it really changed our perception about, you know, what our responsibility is and what, um, even though we had always felt it, but it was, it was a really different kind of sensibility of, you know, what we're here to do, what's our purpose. If you want to see some other public artworks from Colab Studios, you can find some shade canopies at both ends of the light rail line on the northwest and southeast ends that are very public friendly. A couple more include that memorial piece that was mentioned in Tempe, the Arizona 9-11 memorial that was completed in 2016, and one in Highbrow that's near 7th Street and Northern on the canal that crosses 7th Street. If you want to see all of their projects, you can always check out their website. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. This podcast is brought to you by the city of Chandler. If you want to check out anything that was talked about in today's episode, you can always visit chandleraz.gov and tap in with us on all of our social medias through the city of Chandler. Check back next week for a new episode of Voices of Chandler, the podcast.